Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez Brownlee. And I'm Andrew Manganelli. And today we're talking tech that's like right on the horizon. So we've had a bunch of smaller updates on the year so far, as you've seen. But what about that huge rumored iMac update that's supposed to look like a giant iPad Pro? And what about Apple switching to their own design chips for Macs? And where is the Pixel 4a? We'll talk about all that and more. Let's get into it. All right, so it's been what, four weeks since our last regular episode, but uh, our last episode was talking with Mr. Mobile about the ethics of tech. I honestly think that was one of my favorite uh, podcasts so far. Yeah, it was, it was we started fun because it. it wasn't like hyper-focused on like a product. For once, it was just kind of all of us sharing stories of, of stuff people don't really know behind the scenes. And Yeah, and I, I definitely want to do more stuff like that. I think if, if people mm-hmm. leave suggestions on Twitter of other guests we should have on or topics we should talk about or things like that, uh, that was that was a lot of fun to me, so super down for that. For sure. But uh, that means it's also been four weeks since our last regular episode where we had recaps and everything, so there's been a ton of things both in the news and on the channel since then. Um, I'll just I'll just list the videos that have come yeah. out on the channel, and we can recap a little bit of it. Quickly, but we had quickly, the yeah. yeah, we had the, the budget blueprint phone video. We had the Surface Headphones 2 review. A video about how Tesla's upgrade over time with auto summon and auto park and all those software update features and how to think about them. Pocophone F2 review. The Escobar part hmm. two video, sort of a PSA. Um, I said a little bit of a reflection about uh, the state of where we're at with race. And, and I did a reflection on the color of my skin inspired by, inspired by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, I'll also link his piece below, which was the reason I made that video. Uh, there's a dope tech video about both a Bluetooth speaker, a rehoused vintage lens, and a magnetic table. Um, and just all of that. Just all of that's happened. That's a lot of stuff. I, I can think of one story quickly I'd like to tell about one of those videos that's kind of BTS. Um, so you may wonder why like a bunch of us working there were in the Tesla Upgrade Over Time video, and that's because we started shooting that months ago before all of this happened yeah but that shoot was really fun because the majority of it was testing all these new features which one was auto summoning and in the uh, like case of a pedestrian going involved in front of it so brandon had to sacrifice himself and essentially jump in front of a moving driverless (laughs) car multiple times so shout out to brandon for uh for that but we also had like a couple times where we Two, I think it was Brandon's Model 3 and your Model S and tried to smart summon them at the same time near the same area. And we definitely had a couple hold your breath moments where both of them started moving 
one started backing up, one started going forward. Both it's of them weird. started like, charging at each other. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I have a Model S and Brandon has a Model 3. So, yeah, this, this footage didn't make it into the final video, but trying to summon those two cars in an empty parking lot, like there's mm-hmm. no other variables, in an empty parking lot by themselves at the same time, they still had these weird moments where they're like, am I going to... Are you going to go? Should I go? I'm going to go. You sh- and oh, let's both go know. at each other. <laughs> let's both go. <laughs> yeah, that w- that didn't make it into the video, but that was that was pretty funny. Yeah, we, you know, that video had a bunch of different phases of what, what it was going to turn into um, when we started shooting it all those months ago, and it finally ended up uh, coming together. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that's just, that's a lot of videos. There's obviously been a lot in the news and a lot in the tech world since then. Um, what, uh, what, you have something here for content we liked. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because it was a story I had written down originally to be talked about in this podcast. And then Mr. Who's the boss made a video on it that explains it way better than, Oh, I love this in like my best case scenario of writing the story for the podcast. Mr. Who's the boss just blew my imaginary story out of the water. So he's on a roll. uh, Yeah. yeah. So he made a video called how this wallpaper kills your phone. And I just want to kind of go over it. Kind of go over it, sort of how the story's there, but I'm also going to link it in the show notes to if show notes if you want to get the like really really deep dive into to what's going on. So uh, I'm sure. Did you see this on Twitter as well? Yeah. So like the general like overview of this story is, if you just see the headline, it's like there is a wallpaper out there. Mm-hmm. It's a picture of a sunset. If you set it as the wallpaper on your Android phone. It will nuke your phone yeah. forever. It, it literally started do it. as a tweet from Ice Universe saying, "Yeah, do not set this as your wallpaper, especially if it's a Samsung, I believe he said, but um, do not. And then, Which, of course, when you see that on Twitter, <laughs> what is everyone's first instinct? Okay, here I go. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's try. And then I think an article I read said there were almost 2,000 comments of people complaining that they bricked their phone. That's After so that. many people. So when like, you see 1,980 <laughs> comments of people who brick their phone and you see that wallpaper, you're like, I got to try it. Yeah. I, I got to try it. I guess you have to assume some people are probably like, oh, they're probably using cruddy phones. I have a great phone. It'll be fine. Or like, I, I bet I know a way I can add this onto here without. And th- there were some ways some people took like screenshots of it or, but uh, let's let's go into the video a little bit about why this happened and why this one picture is it's it's not just like restarting your phone it's not freezing it it's literally you can't get the phone to boot up not even in safe mode you just have to straight up factory default wipe your phone when you you add it onto the back um so let's see i have a little list here of of what happened so mr who's the boss saw it on twitter it was blowing up all over twitter his original assumption was like there's no way just a regular photo is doing this. Someone somehow put some malware into it and it's causing all these issues. Um, that seems like the most reasonable yeah. excuse for it. I have no idea how someone would add malware to just a photo and that's how you open I mean, it. But like people are smart. Stranger things have happened. It's- I think when I read the headline at first, that was my first assumption where you see, oh, okay, set this wallpaper on your phone and it will like shut down your phone and harm it and brick it. My first thought was, oh, okay, something is either wrong with that file. Yeah. Like you can embed some some key, some nick in that file that, that harms Android phones specifically, takes advantage of some weird vulnerability. Or what it actually turned out to be, which was like some incompatibility with the color gamut 
mm-hmm. that the photo was exported in. So you're, so you're definitely on to something. Um, right. The way he found it out is pretty interesting, though. He, he did a reverse image search of it, found the original photo, which is interesting because it wasn't a phone background. It was just straight up a, a photo posted on like an HD wallpaper website. Um, so it's cropped, actually. He found Best the Best websites whole, in the world. Oh, my. The world. The greatest. Oh. <laughs> if you don't have an ad blocker, never go to a a, a HD website or HD wallpaper website. But so since he found the original file that wasn't cropped, he thought, well, the crop version must be the one with the malware. And if I download this, I can add it to my phone and it'll work. Bricked. So, so he set the full size version, the original I guess file. He, I think he took the full size version and then, you know, cropped it just in the in the phone. You know, it only gives you so much space to use. So oh my God, how many phones did he brick during this video? I don't know. It seems like it was his actual <laughs> phone as well. He didn't do it on a test phone. Which, oh, no. Come on. <laughs> come on. You've got plenty of phones to test that out. But um, the perils of being a tech YouTuber. <laughs> OK, so um, let's see. He started reading up. Everyone thought the same thing as you. Color profiles. Um, Android's default color profile is set to sRGB. Um, this photo was set to Profoto RGB, um, which is interesting though because Android can still handle Profoto RGB colors. The issue, all it does is it converts it pretty much. It takes that, if you were to imagine the color spectrum, sRGB is a small triangle, Profoto that covers all the different colors in that color spectrum, and then Profoto RGB is a larger triangle. So it just kind of switches the points around changes it makes perfect sense you know when you see the picture it's a photo of like a sunset so Mm -hmm. it's an obvious high dynamic range situation where there's going to be stuff in the shadows and the trees and then the sun is going to be really bright so oh instead of just using the standard srgb let's just uh let's use a wider boosted color gamut so people with compatible displays can see more like a pro display xdr that would be that'd be a great place to set that as a wallpaper what's also interesting is he shows the difference between if it was if you brought it into Photoshop and set it as ProPhoto RGB versus sRGB, it looks far better in sRGB. In pro. I mean, yeah, exactly. it's just a beautiful landscape with the sun peering over. It, it looks better with some vibrance blown up in it. Um, so let's see. It's not just, though, that it was on that color profile. Normally, it would be able to switch the color profile to sRGB, no problem. The issue actually comes down to one single pixel in the sky. That, Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, so like watch the video if you want to see the really in-depth version of what this happens. But essentially each, pix- each pixel has a luminance scale. And there's a certain formula that calculates a number, a set number to this, the luminance of each pixel. And the max value that that can be is at 255. And because... It's very confusing, but basically because Google uses that formula and rounds numbers, it was so close to pushing that limit in the first place, but still under when Google rounded the numbers, it pushed it over the max limit of the luminance of that pixel. I hope I'm saying all of this right because it's very yeah, it, it basically It basically was a rounding error. So yeah. like the entire photo in ProRGB by itself or that, that extra wide color gamut by itself is not ordinarily a problem. But when you get into the clouds and the sky and this this one individual pixel happened to have such an extreme value that the sum of the, the red, green, and blue, mm-hmm. when it added them up with the weights and the rounding, it was 256 instead of 255, yeah. which is, well, Google doesn't know what to do with that number in its conversion. So when it tries to convert, 
it crashes. Now, typically you just open it in the, the gallery and try to convert it and it crashes, it doesn't matter. But when you set it as your wallpaper, <laughs> now it's like, okay, every time the phone turns on or wakes up or has to display the wallpaper in some way, it starts freaking out, it can't do it, it shuts down, it basically breaks the phone and you yeah. can't do anything until you just wipe it, which is uh, pretty brutal. I don't, I'm really, I, I should DM brutal. him and figure out how many phones he lost <laughs> to this process <laughs> of finding it out. But he did it. He found it out. He found it, it was one single pixel, which is kind that's, of, you couldn't even write that. I think that's what the coolest thing about the whole story was. It's like, okay, cool. A photo with a, a strange uh, color profile breaks phones. But like the fact that somehow one single pixel out of, I mean, it's a, it's an HD photo. Like there are thousands and thousands and thousands of pixels in it. Yet one of them just happened to hit two numbers that caused a rounding error upwards to be over the max limit by like a single digit is what is causing people to literally lose, lose data on their phones. Um, Top of the top of the show notes is is the link to the Mister Who's the Boss video for sure. Yeah, be careful uh, clicking not it. Maybe link the I'll wallpaper. Just, yeah, I was gonna say I'll just link the wallpaper and. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know do if that. you if you do happen to see that headline, don't be one of the two thousand people that decides you have to also try it to see for yourself. Trust me, it it really does. It really does break your phone. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and go ahead and avoid that <laughs> wallpaper yeah. for now. Watch the videos of other people doing it if you're so interested in seeing what happens, but uh, don't do it to your own. Exactly. Also, in a previous episode, remember we talked about uh, the OnePlus 8 Pro and that like sort of x-ray vision mode in the color yeah. filter camera? Mm-hmm. So that actually was removed or disabled in some markets anyway. They're pushing an update where it, it disabled that feature due to privacy yeah. concerns. And I thought this was worth including just because it basically confirms this was unintentional. Yeah. I mean, our our main argument was, do we think this was intentional? And I think we settled on there's no way this is intentional because OnePlus markets literally every grain of, of any feature in any phone. So the fact that they didn't market this made us feel like uh, it was unintentional. Yeah. And there's also a couple of theories floating around about that OnePlus, you know, they finalize these phones so long before they come out. Like people see the phone, you know, they drop in an event. They think like they just finished making the phone the day before and they're ready to show it. Like this, this these phones were done. Yeah. And the, one of the theories sort of floating around is that they finished the phone like a, a long way before and started putting together the marketing materials. And they had this this sort of spiel for the color filter camera and then realized, wait a second, it also has this problem where it can see through fabrics and it can see through clear plastics, and maybe that's a bit of a privacy concern. And it is its own dedicated camera, so what they did is basically nuked that feature, Mm -hmm. and then in all the marketing materials, they were absolutely as quiet as possible about that extra camera. So they were still able to say, yes, we have four cameras instead of two or whatever, but if you notice, you like read through the, the press materials, it's like, you have this whole extra camera and you've been so price conscious all these years about not having NFC and not having wireless charging. So you threw in this whole extra camera just for a photo filter mode? Like what? They didn't <laughs> They didn't encourage anyone reviewing the phone to use it. They didn't show any cool features. In the keynote on stage, they, they had maybe one quick slide about its existence, acknowledging that there was a fourth camera on the phone with the color filter. And they even buried that color filter camera in the menus 
all the way to the side. So you, if you saw the videos about enabling it, it was like you'd have to open the camera, switch to color filters, and then swipe all the way over to find that camera. So yeah, the theory is OnePlus figured it out a little too late after they added the hardware and finalized it, realized it was kind of a problem, nuked it, and and still left it enabled at least so they could justify having that hardware there, mm-hmm. but weren't able to totally cover it up. And now here we are. Interesting. I mean, it fits. It fits well. Yeah. Uh, and like it kind of fits with our theory that they still, OnePlus likes to talk about every little thing. So the fact that they didn't talk about that feels a little, I don't know if sketchy is the right term, but it's not like, because it, like we said, it, it sees through some plastics and it, it can see through some clothing material, but it's only like super, super thin clothing material. So, but you can see that headline writing itself. Yeah. I mean, like, like if you work for them, you know, is, yeah, one, one little piece of clothing, if you have the picture and then it's, that's not what the headline doesn't say sees through like 1% of clothing. It says sees through clothing and then it yep. looks terrible. So, um, yeah. So I guess they're, sense, they're yeah. smart about, you know, when the, when the headlines did start to come out, they were like, Oh, what do you know? It does, does have some privacy concerns. Whoops. So they're pushing a little software update to, uh, trace back those steps yeah so like you said, i don't know I, I didn't really ever use it i think they um did they disabled it on it's called hydrogen os is the the china version of oxygen os from what i'm right. reading and then oxygen os there's so they already disabled it there and then they're pushing some sort of update through oxygen os so um i yeah. guess have fun using it for a little while but it's it's about to be gone let me just see if i still have it photochrome i still have it so so far, it's not gone from my OS, but we'll see if they, uh, they leave that longer or nuke that too. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk future products, both by Google and Apple. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. All right, welcome back to Waveform. So uh, there's some products on the horizon, some interesting ones. Uh, some of them rumored, some of them a little more concrete than others. And this is the part where we talk about those because we're tech geeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is a... Okay, a rumored iMac, 
refresh with a new iPad Pro-like design. Yeah. Now, this isn't, you know, you don't have to say iPad Pro-like. I think the iMac, hot take, iMac is ugly. It's dated. It's very dated looking. It's I, real. It's really dated. Because I, I used to use an iMac in my video class in high school. And honestly, no, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong iMac. But like ever since they've done just the small like uh, stand in the back, the main change that's happened is just the thinness of it, which honestly, I don't care about the thinness as much, especially when I'm moving the thing, because moving an iMac around, it's like sharp on your hands. Yeah, that's such a that really shouldn't affect you buying an i an iMac at all. But like, but for real, that giant chin with the Apple logo just feels very, very dated. Um, yeah, there's a, totally there's a couple things. Yeah, that I just don't like about the iMac design. I had the iMac Pro, which is the darker, like space gray version of the iMac, um, as my main computer for a little while. And like, obviously, it's a powerful computer, and it's an all in one, and it's a fantastic 5K display. But a couple things about it. One, the chin, like you said, with the big Apple logo yeah. on it, really big. Number two, the bezels are thick on mm-hmm. all four sides. The bezels are really thick. And that's not a problem so much as I used to. I've been a, a dual monitor person for so long that I wanted to put another monitor next to the iMac. But no monitor looks right sitting next to the iMac Mm -hmm. that just has a gigantic bezel. I don't want to put another iMac next to the iMac. That's kind of weird. That's a waste. So what am I putting like a, like just a totally different looking monitor? It just, it didn't sit right with me. Uh (laughs) So I couldn't, I I stayed to one monitor just because it was, it looked that dumb. I mean, think about it. Like if you're just doing a two, a normal two monitor setup, you already have to deal with the two bezels between that. And that's already kind of annoying. Now imagine doubling it. Yeah. The, the bezel on a regular iMac is already the size of like, two regular monitor bezels put together. It's, it's like you're scrolling yeah. through a whole nother screen that you, yeah. It's a lot of space. Great. So so the chin, the bezels, and then how much they round everything. So the screen itself is rectangular, but they really round off like the whole aesthetic of the iMac, um, which again, I kind of prefer, and this is something I think they found with the iPad Pro. Like I really prefer the design language of that like sort of boxier, little more yeah. trimmed up, squared, clean look. Uh, and that's the new rumor. So according to Sonny Dixon, the new iMac will have this iPad Pro-like design language, thinner bezels, uh, and we're also seeing potentially Face ID, which I'm not I miss super... Yeah. yeah, I'm not super like into Face ID. I think I'd be more into it on a laptop. Um, but I think all of this is, is improved from the current iMac. I, I would I, love that. I actually... I would be interested in Face ID. That that seems kind of nice to me. Like sitting down at your computer is the one place that I'm almost never going to have anything on that could interrupt Face ID. Like right now we're seeing the biggest issues with uh, face masks. But like normally if you're sitting down, maybe some offices are, are requiring face masks, but I think most of them are, are super uh, like restricted to how many people go in. So if I'm sitting at my house, I'm never wearing a face mask. I'm never wearing sunglasses. I'm never wearing a scarf. Um so like it would be nice scarf? no, no <laughs> i usually don't wear a computer? scarf i don't wear my um ski mask when it's really cold so i mean being able to just have make sure my computer's secure but sit down at it and it just unlocks actually seems kind of nice yeah so i'll take i'll take it back sunny dixon isn't the one who said face id okay. so i'll read his actual tweet here okay. he says new imac coming at wwdc ipad pro design language with pro display like bezels 
T2 chip, AMD Navi GPU, and no more Fusion Drive. Fusion Drive, I, I've thought, was uh, sort of on its on its way out anyway. That's the sort of combo between hard drives yeah. and SSDs that they've offered. Um, I think hard drives should be pretty much done in Apple's high-end lineup. I, I think, think they are I now. think regular Maybe hard drives should be done in anybody's lineup at this point. Yeah, especially um, for your main boot drive. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's fine to see it go. Uh, the T2 chip is, I think, what suggests Ace ID. But T2, we already have a T1 chip which is for security and, and it's encrypting everything on the drive and a T2 chip suggests some more security features. Um, but yeah, I think just the aesthetic, you can see the yeah. render here in the article. We'll link that in the show notes, but mm-hmm. that aesthetic is pretty nice. Yeah, for people who can't see, essentially imagine a, a giant iPad Pro and then just the regular iMac yeah. kind of like L stand behind it and it, it looks sleek. It's really weird seeing something that's potentially an iMac that's just actually just widescreen and not this giant square because 10% of it on the bottom is totally useless and a chin. Um, yeah. So it looks way nice. Bezels look really thin. It it looks sleek. It just looks really sleek. Now, that's just a random mock-up they did based on iPad Pro-like design. Um, it's like if, if you gave me like the tools to design my own iMac, I would just take the iPad Pro and stretch it and put it on a stand. <laughs> but... Here's my here's my devil's advocate, or at least one thing that I would like to see different. Okay. Uh, the current Pro Display XDR and the current iMac have all the ports on the back still. The iPad Pro has ports on the side. I would be totally fine with a little bit of a thicker, boxy design, and just put all the ports on the side. The ones that you want to hide, where it's like a USB. Your, your power, put those on the back, but give me like one or two things like the SD card in the side, give me like two USB on, USB-C on the side, uh, just so I don't have to reach behind the thing every time and blindly fumble for it, I, you know? I feel like I can agree with you with SD card in this. I would hate to see something that finally looks aesthetically pleasing and then having USB wires coming out of the side of it all the time. That would, <laughs> that would just like, and, and I'm... Out of everybody who has a desk at work, mine is always the messiest and the least clean looking, and that would drive me wild. So I think that's saying quite Ooh. a bit. To like, finally, I get this sleek new iMac, and then I just have like a flash drive and uh, my mouse. I'm one of the only people who still use a wired mouse at work, but like, my yeah. wired mouse coming out of my monitor would drive me nuts. I think it's just uh, I hate having to put the SD card it. in the yeah. back. I have to like spin the Mac around every time. I can never find what, it. What about this? And still not perfectly aesthetic, but what if they had the ports, the wires for the ports come down the uh, the stand in the back and the front of the stand would lift up a little bit and you had like four USB ports on the front little uh, width of the stand and you would just plug it into the bottom part of it. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Did Again, I, did I explain like, that well? Yeah. That... I think so. Yeah. I mean, if I'm just plugging in like a temporary thing, like a mm-hmm. like a, a dongle, a reader, an SD card, something that's like not going to just be sitting there forever, and I just want a quick access to just you plug it quick. in. Okay. You know, I'll just I'll just take it on the side. I don't know. That's that's what I'm looking at this render and thinking about is like how it compares to the current iMac. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, if they're if they're giving it the the flexibility, ooh, here's another question. Is it going to articulate at all? Probably not. The current iMac just tilts. Tilts, yeah. There's no height adjust. There's no There's no swiveling. There's no rotating. 
Uh, I assume this will be the same stand, basically, mm-hmm. not the pro display stand. Yeah, it's not, not the, the best stand in the world. It looks nice, but when you're tall like us, or like Quinn's had a huge issue with, he had to yeah, you mount that his. Thing. Yeah, like when you're tall, you want it standing up. We had it on the, uh, what, what's the name of those stands? 12 South, right? Oh, yeah, we have 12 South those, stands. Those are great, but like, I just want a monitor that actually sits up. We're tall. If you're taller than six feet, and you're sitting at a monitor like that, your posture is probably terrible. Um, yeah. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see. It'll probably, I, I assume, end up being the same, like, non-adjustable mm-hmm. stand. Maybe they'll sell an optional, like, $1,000 accessory <laughs> that'll have you able to tilt and adjust height and things like that. Wouldn't Maybe that be they'll let you novel? put wheels on the bottom of it for 700 bucks. So. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Wheels on the iMac stand. That would be That would be something. Actually, I would be so down for that. I'd be down. I don't even want to know the reason why <laughs> you'd be down for that. I just want to see an iMac rolling around on wheels. I don't know. It's just a, a part of me wants to see that. Uh, no, yeah, that's cool. I think uh, hopefully we see this at WWDC. There's a bunch of things we're thinking we're going to see at WWDC. And actually, that sort of dovetails right into the other Horizon thing that we've been looking forward to for a while. And we talked about this for a little bit in the episode with Mark Gurman. Uh, where we're hoping to see Apple move to their own ARM chips. Mm -hmm. And so the headline that we'll link from Bloomberg from Mark Gurman himself, Apple is preparing to announce a shift to its own main processors in Mac computers, replacing chips from Intel as early as this month at its annual developer conference, WWDC. I am super ready for this. Now, there's a bunch of reactions to it that I want to address because... I think everybody, once they see that headline, goes, whoa, Apple's going to change all their stuff right now. There's a this, this is the type of thing that happens in stages, and it can't just all happen at once because of well, you know, the way architectures work. Um, Apple makes their own chips already for the, I, the iPad and the, the iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. You see those, those A12X Bionic fun name chips, and they're incredible. And so we've always wondered, why don't they put those and their laptops. And of course, it's because developers need to change their apps and the operating system needs to run differently. But as they prepare all this with developers behind the scenes moving over platforms, you know, you can start to see maybe they have a new 12-inch MacBook with this uh, this ARM chip in it with their own design processors. Maybe they have slowly after that a new MacBook Pro. But I think at the higher end, the iMacs and iMac Pros and Mac Pros of the world, so people were like, oh man, I just bought an iMac and now they're gonna move chips. Like that that's not anywhere, I don't think, anytime soon. You know, we, we might see this announcement at WWDC that they have begun working on it and will start replacing Intel in maybe their first laptop this year or something like that. Um, but I think, you know, we just got Mac Pros in the studio. If you're expecting this new iMac refresh, I think that'll have Intel chips. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be straight through the lineup all at once. Um, that being said, I am super looking forward to it. I mean, I, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't really know much about ARM chips, and, and it's I've always been, um, I almost only ever use Mac at work, so I, I'm totally a Windows guy, and that's not a great excuse for that, but I've always used AMD or Intel, so I guess the main way I'm seeing it from what you've described so far is compare it to like an iPhone and an iPad and how Apple's it's creating like, their own chips. And it's a, it's a new way. From the couple things I've read, it's very confusing, but efficiency seems to be a huge reason 
efficiency and power. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. they've put these chips in iPad Pro and iPhone, right? So, like, the universal language, even if you're on Windows, is, like, performance numbers and and benchmarks speak to you, right? Yeah. So, imagine in the thermal envelope of an iPad Pro, they've put a chip that is more powerful and more efficient than the chips in the MacBook Air. They perform better and they're more efficient. So now imagine like making a bigger version of that in the MacBook Air. It already outperforms the MacBook Air mm-hmm. on paper and benchmarks. So you can imagine like Apple putting their own chip in the MacBook Air. Suddenly that's a really impressively powerful laptop. Yeah. And then you have more thermal envelope and you have like a better form factor. Now you imagine giving it MacBook Pro type space, an even bigger chip. And the efficiency is already great because you already see iOS is so well optimized. Um, you imagine macOS being well optimized as well, and you toss like 16 gigs of RAM and a gigantic Apple designed chip in a MacBook Pro. That thing is going to scream. Yeah. So I think the 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 promise of what could happen from you know the the higher overhead you get from moving out of just an iPhone or just an iPad and moving into a big old laptop is that's the exciting part. Okay, so so it's just the next step in Apple's ecosystem getting that much stronger and and creating oh, yeah. that much more of a a gap between you know everything working seamlessly together and parts that we're used to and everything else that have to mesh together yeah. as best as possible. And it's also it's just smart by them. I mean, we already know they're great with vertical integration. Um, but we've seen their hints of it. They already make the T1 chip like we talked about. They have start to to put their own chips in their machines. But basically taking your reliance away from Intel, you know, taking that yeah. huge, not that burden off of Intel, but just not having to wait for Intel's improvement anymore True. for your own incremental improvements uh, is also huge. So you can imagine, you know, when the new iPad Pro comes out and it's twice as fast as the last one, um, imagine that in a laptop. Like that's, there's so many different doors that open up from Apple Essentially, it's just as big of a story. It's just as big of a story for them to move away from Intel as it is for them to make their own chips. So it's twofold. Yeah, true. I'm ready. Cool. I'm when ready it, when it. is WWDC again? Is there? There's a specific date, right? It's yeah, very it's June. soon, I believe. Yeah. It might be by our next episode, and we might have a lot to say about it when it comes out. But WWDC 2020 is expected. Let me find the exact date. June 22nd. Oh, my birthday. So Cool. Nice. Yeah. So, like, we have an episode maybe, like, a day or two after that. Yeah, That's I believe perfect. so. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, big conferences that are supposed to be going on, uh, we've officially missed Google I.O. And yeah. what was that? It was set to happen May 12th to 14th. Um, obviously, COVID 2020 happened, you know, <laughs> and, and now they just straight up canceled it. Um, but I guess what we were all hoping for out of that the most is the Pixel 4a. And now that mm. it's been officially canceled, we were all waiting for it. Then they announced Android 11, but we still don't see anything about the Pixel 4a. So yeah, where we just is got it? the beta. Yeah, where is <laughs> where? Pixel 4a? Huh. Um, yeah, so last year at Google I.O. was Pixel 3a. So that was the, that was the first budget edition Pixel. Yeah. And so... We sort of with the cancellation of Google I/O now the Pixel 4a is sort of in limbo. But that was a that was a phone we were looking forward to a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it, I mean I mean like 
It's funny because we know mostly about it because Google is fantastic at hiding everything and definitely not leaking every little piece of information about it. Um, so we kind of have all of it, but we were it was supposed to be May. Then there were some rumors of June, but now the rumors seem to be July-ish, like a week or two into July. Um, mm-hmm. So we're still waiting for that. Do you, do you want to go over kind of like this? I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast at all, right? What we're expected to see from it? Maybe not, but we can go over it for yeah, sure. Yeah, let's, let's do a quick overview of what we're expecting to see. So I think contextualizing it just to just to have on our radar what Pixel 3a was. Uh, Pixel 3a was not the most powerful, not the most high-end phone, not even the most well-built, but it had the best camera for the price. Mm-hmm. It was 400 bucks, right, if I'm remembering correctly? Yeah. It launched, and it just has basically the same camera as the Pixel that came before it. Awesome phone. Awesome budget for phone. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So... For Pixel 4a, we're sort of looking forward to a bit of a design update. But again, still, it's Google. It's a Pixel. It's not the highest end hardware. We're going to see probably Snapdragon 730, uh, maybe 6 gigs of RAM, I think that was a big thing that everyone was excited about was same amount of RAM as the flagship. um, Yeah. Which is pretty big. Then you're, you're talking maybe 64 or 128 gigs of storage. Probably a full screen display. Probably like a 1080p OLED display. Um, but we're we're seeing all sorts of different rumors still about whether they do a punch out. I whole, think last I heard punch. was hole punch, which is interesting because I would consider that more advanced than the regular Pixel Four and its horrific forehead, which is yeah. I still use it. I still hate it. Um, I still would prefer the like bathtub notch to be completely honest. So oh my god, <laughs> hole punch is is really neat, and I hope they follow that route and not the um. This like asymmetrical crud. Right. But, uh, so, you know, something like we're also seeing 3000 milliamp hour battery, something like that, and probably also a similar build quality. But again, new higher end cameras, same recording, basically looking like Pixel 4 camera, which is, in my opinion, not even going to lie, still my favorite single camera setup. Uh, they're not going to have an ultra wide, probably. They're not going to have a telephoto. It'll just be a single camera setup. And uh, that's that's sort of the same formula. A little updated design to the 3A. Now you have a 4A. The question now, though, is this is coming out after we just saw iPhone SE, mm-hmm. which is now, you know, Apple's in this $400 brand new phone, pretty good camera space. How do you think those two line up? I mean, as someone who's used Pixels for the last two years, <laughs> I honestly think SE just blows it out of the water. If this is what we're looking at, the biggest thing you think about right here is like iPhone and Pixel cameras, even though you said Pixel is your favorite, they are Mm -hmm. so close, like so remarkably close. And and Apple's even better in some ways, but like either way, you're thinking of S tier cameras, but then immediately look to the processor, which is usually one of the next most important things. And yeah, future proof wise. Yep. Okay, so here I'll give you I'll, I'll break down what I think the Pixel wins at okay. and what I think yeah, the yeah. iPhone Let's wins go. at. So, Pixel 4a will beat iPhone SE, I in my opinion at the camera by a little bit. I mean, they're yeah. both going to be very good for the price, but if they're both 400 bucks, I'll give the edge to the Pixel 4a's camera, single camera setup. Okay. The Pixel 4a has a headphone jack. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to have a headphone jack. That's an advantage because the iPhone SE doesn't. And that's it. So one other thing, um, if it has hole punch cut out, yeah, like that, I'll I'll take a hole punch cut out 
over big bezels any day. True, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But like to me, I don't think the camera being better, like giving something the edge isn't enough of a reason to buy it, I don't think. Like giving something it's the edge gonna... means it's so much tiny better. Yeah. I mean the the ultimate thing is if you prefer Android over iOS. Right, it's going to be a bunch of little usability things. Like Android over iOS is one. Headphone jack is one. Also, where they put the fingerprint reader will be another one. sounds like it's going to be on the back. Um, Which I I think is fine. I think that's great. I mean, the iPhone SE SE is just the the home button, which everyone already knows and is used to, and that's fine too. But I really like the back fingerprint reader, so that could be a little thing. Yeah, that that gives you the benefit of having the whole bunch cut out like we talked about, and both of them right now are actually winding up being almost improvements because we're all wearing masks all the time so like having a an actual physical yeah. fingerprint sensor seems to be this like 2020 out fine. of the blue like a uh, big improvement um one plus eight i'm I, honestly most of the phones i'm using now i'm using fingerprint over face id yeah. face unlock so mm-hmm. yeah uh but you know when you when you look on the other side of the aisle you have iphone se and you're gonna have ios which for a lot of people is where they want to be battery life is maybe a toss-up we don't know how the battery is on the pixel 4a yet but we'll see but then, of course, you have performance. You have the latest Apple chipset versus Snapdragon 730. I think that's a clear win for Apple. Then you get to overall value. You know, when you're looking at this price, how long does this phone last for your 400 bucks? Yeah. If the iPhone has twice as many years of software updates, that's major. That's a major mm-hmm. key for that phone. So iPhone SE is probably going to win that value department. And yeah, it might tie on camera, be a little worse, and has a little bigger bezels, but so yeah. here's something to consider. Um, I've, I've noticed a lot of people talking about iPhone SE battery life, and people seem to be all over the place on what they're getting. You found it to be pretty good, but you are someone who doesn't play a lot of games. I've read a lot of stuff saying people who play games on their phone, because it's a smaller battery using an A13, it is very power hungry because when you're gaming you're using that so much more so people are apparently chewing through iphone batteries um that's an excellent point yeah Yeah, i i would describe a lot of my use of an iphone especially as pretty like standard if i'm not doing gaming i'm like i'm on twitter instagram Mm -hmm. taking photos web browsing email that sort of thing like i could do that all day on an a13 because that's just sipping power but at the end of the day, the A13 is new and it's the highest end mm-hmm. chip with this huge amount of power when you want to put it towards something. So even though it's only a 768p display, if you're gaming, it's going to start to really chew through power. And, and when you're at that max power on a tiny battery, you can chew through it. So that's good to note is that if you are gaming a lot on your phone, uh, you probably don't want to get a budget phone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're picking Basically. between two of them, I guess between... 4A and SE, you're going to pick, do I want the best performance on my phone? And then you probably go SE, but then you realize you're going to need like a battery bank or you're going to be plugged into the wall at home. Um, Yeah. Or is it like, am I fine with a little bit worse of an experience and uh, like overall the processor playing the game to its max potential, but I'm okay with the fact that I'm on the bus and I don't have a place to plug it in or I'm on the train and I can play for hours and hours like the the pixel 4a is going to be able to play those games for longer on its battery life because it has a smaller less power hungry processor and a bigger battery Yeah, i don't know i don't know as much about the snapdragon 730 like that might yeah maybe i don't know if that trade-off is even going to be that great like a 3000 milliamp hour battery i don't know well this this is why we review the phones is we have to test them Mm -hmm. and see but 
Yeah, that's a it's an uphill battle now that you're yeah. fi- you're fighting Apple for 400 bucks. Um, That'll be interesting. So also interestingly, there were some rumors of a Pixel 4a XL coming out. Um, Ooh. The, well, <laughs> un- maybe. Unfortunately, now it seems to be like there's no chance that that happens. Um, I mean, all they were looking at was because it's bigger, it has a bigger battery, but it was going to add the second camera, which everyone assumes is telephoto, like the Pixel 4. So, wow. So it would just be like a cheaper, worse-built Pixel 4. <laughs> pretty much. I Basically. wonder, would it have, I'm guessing it would have hole punch cut out, so it would look better than the Pixel 4 again. Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, I got, I've been, I've been using Pixel 4 because I'm testing new Android beta, but it's like, you get used to that forehead pretty, pretty quickly. Like if you're just staring at the forehead, you're like, oh, this is so ugly. Why did they make it like this? That's, but that's the issue. As far is, as like, like buying it. You forget right? it and then you notice it and then you're like, Mm. that stinks <laughs> and you're like why did i buy this i'm not a fan of that yeah um, yeah that's tough yeah and then uh only other thing i have so i, I have like a scenario here because okay. at this point pixel 4a is p- potentially releasing in july but at that point we're really starting to creep up on like smartphone season when google regularly releases their flagships so like normally you have like a six month gap in between their mid phone, their mid range, and their flagship. Now we're getting really close. I guess my main thing is why don't companies? I'm sure they have market research, but I would just like to know why do they decide to release like their mid range phone at a completely different time than their flagship phone, especially when they're almost putting it under the same like. Uh, what am I trying to say? It's like the same lineup. Like I, I get Galaxy S20 yeah, think, and Galaxy Note 20 are two right. completely separate things, but like. I think I yeah, know what you mean. I think right. Samsung is a little bit, a little bit of an unusual one because they don't do this, but I think most of the big players want to have their flagship phone out uh, as its own thing. And also ideally around the holidays. So you see, mm-hmm. you see like, you know, iPhone in September, you see, pixel in october you see these these bigger phones coming out and i think they separate it from their budget phone launch events so that mentally you separate them too um and sometimes they don't do that sometimes they'll have iphone se alongside another phone but i just think when you have your big main this is our killer this is the one you should buy phone they want all the attention on that um, and if they're doing anything else separately it's going to be an even higher end crazy folding one or something wild. yeah i guess i see it so, like, in terms of Apple, for example, the SC looks totally different. It doesn't, like, the 11 and 11 Pro uh, and the 11 Pro Max all coming out have a, a similar face to them. Know what I mean? Like, it has that, this is Apple, this is the new phone, this is what it looks like, it has a notch and everything. So, if then you're also tossing in the 8, it has these big bezels, it just doesn't look like it fits in that lineup. But then yeah. on the other hand, like you said, before the holidays... I'm a kid. I tell my parents I want a new iPhone. There is a way higher chance that when my parents go into Verizon or T-Mobile and they're like, my kid wants a new iPhone for Christmas, they're going to buy the SE because Mm. that's the phone a younger kid in middle school probably deserves over a $1,200 iPhone 11 Pro Max. So I guess I don't... It feels to me strange why they come out at two different times, but like you said, I guess mixing them... 
mixing yeah, I mean, them up I puts think the when focus you, on yeah yeah when you pull back the curtain it's probably like in a dream world they could just as soon as they're done planning and and finalizing the phone they could just put it out mm-hmm. um but i think since there's like different teams working in parallel doing these different phones it's like well we're gonna we're gonna finalize the phone and we're gonna come up with everything but we also need to pick an ideal time for it to come out and they probably have separate slots for like all right the flagship phone's coming out it's done in june let's drop it in september oh the budget one's done at the same time all right let's drop it six months after that and it's like i don't know i guess there, there's a everyone has a different strategy I but i feel like they want to separate oh that's definitely like, true yeah, yeah like one plus hello. now you all get a new cycle in the middle of the summer as well it just uh like i feel bad for all those people who are constantly keeping their old phone ready to upgrade and they're like i'm ready for the pixel 4 it's gonna be amazing oh it was the pixel 4 i'm going to now mm. maybe wait a little longer whereas like Maybe if Pixel 4a came out at the same time as Pixel 4, they would have felt better upgrading knowing it was half the price of it because still it's an, it's an upgrade. You're getting new operating system. like You're getting the better cameras and everything. And some people are at this point where their, their phone screen is completely cracked. You know, the battery life is terrible because they've been holding onto it for so long. But then the phone they've been waiting for comes out and it sucks. And now you've just waited for so long. So I don't know. A lot to think yeah, about. Everyone, I'm rambling. Everyone's got different point. strategies. Yeah. I'm with it. It's like, imagine you have uh, three YouTube videos. You just finished making three different videos. Do you drop them all at the same time? Or do you pick one to drop now, pick another one to drop a couple days later, and then another one to drop a week later? Everyone has a different answer probably to why they would do a certain thing. But, you know, that's why I don't work for <laughs> all these companies. We'll, we'll see what they decide to do. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll do Twitter Q&A. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, welcome back to Waveform. And as we have done, as often as we can, we didn't do it last episode, but as we typically like to do, we asked what you wanted to know on Twitter at WVFRM. You can tweet at us get in touch, shoot your tw- questions over. And uh, you guys had some good ones. So we're going to talk about some of those now. Um, I have one kind of goes back almost to last week's episode in terms of sponsors. Uh, okay. So let's see. When a company sponsors you to try their product, how long do you spend trying out their product to determine if you're happy to have them with a sponsor or do you just accept the sponsor? Yeah, it's uh, I'd say the the amount of time I test a sponsor product is definitely different from the amount of time I'm reviewing, like I'm spending to test a review. Uh, yeah. Because obviously, if it's a if it's a sponsor product, they have a couple points that they probably want you to highlight, and I just want to go through and make sure those all do what they say. Meanwhile, if I'm testing for a review, I'm going to find things that work. I'm going to find things that don't work. I'm going to find things that I wish were a little different. I'm going to find bugs. I'm going to find all kinds of stuff. And all of that goes into should you buy it or not versus just a, a quick, a quicker sponsored message. Yeah, I think most sponsored things are along the lines of like an unboxing or a like a first impression. So sometimes there's 
barely, you know, the video is the quote unquote testing. It's the, so as long as it, at that point, if there's not a lot of testing to do beforehand, then it just has to, we have to know there's something interesting enough in that product that we feel like we'll make a good video. Like a sponsor doesn't come through unless it's going to make a good video for some reason, something out of the box, something like new, whether that new thing is great yet. Sometimes it's just interesting to see. So, so or just worth sharing. Yeah. yeah, Something has to come to us that we think is going to make an interesting video for you guys. And then that's how we move forward with sponsors. I see another one here. Uh, You've mentioned before that people should not buy products with the promise of future software updates. Where do you stand on that now? And do you expect it to change in the near future, especially in light of your most recent Tesla video? And to answer that, I 100% stand by that still. <laughs> I, I do not think you should, in tech, buy a product based on the potential of future updates or changes. I think you should spend your money on what you absolutely know you're going to get, and anything you get in the future is a bonus. Now, some companies, like I, I mentioned in, in that Tesla video, have a pretty great track record of software updates and future bonuses, if you will, in the form of software updates. Um, and it's it's still so weird. Like, I wouldn't buy a Tesla hoping that it maybe gets full self-driving and this other unannounced feature that's rumored, I, I wouldn't do that. If you're if you're not happy with the car without that feature, don't buy it. Um, but yeah, I think there's you know you look at the the company's track record and you're you're happy with what you're buying, but maybe you're in for a little bit extra down the road. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty easy to say like if you buy something and you're really something excited about something it doesn't have. And you're going to be really bummed out when it doesn't have that. You sh- you obviously yeah, should not buy that product yeah. because assume it won't get it. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> the chances of it not getting that are great. You said there's there's companies with great track records, but if you're really in a situation where you are making the decision and putting money that you've saved towards that decision, don't save that money for something that's not there yet. Either wait for it or pick something else that has it. It's it's not going to be worth spending all that money. And then having the day when you find out it's never coming. Um, okay, I, I think this is an interesting one for you. Um, I know my answer, no problem, but you are somebody. Okay, so I'm someone who uses Windows at home and I use Android. You are someone who prefers the Android side on phones, but you prefer the Mac side on computers. Mm-hmm. Right. If you had to go all in and use one combo forever, is it Mac and iPhone or Windows and Android? It's Mac and iPhone. I kind of thought that's where it was going, but... Yeah. You know, the ecosystem, as restrictive as it is, you've seen how much people love living in those walls. Like, the Blue Bubble Squad. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, people love that. (laughs) I happen to be a tech reviewer, and I'm a big fan of the customization of Android, and I'm super into that. But if you had to nuke Android for me or nuke Macs for me, uh, nuking Macs is a much bigger problem. Yeah, I, uh, so yeah, I feel like there's one thing you and I both do that that answers that question. You edit in Final Cut, and you don't want to go to anything else because that is you spend so much time editing. That's your favorite way to use it. You don't want to change that. Makes total sense. Yeah. So then it's much easier to change how you use your cell phone because the other product is still great. Easy. I play games. I play a lot of games. 
there's there's no gaming on on Macs like <laughs> there is on Windows, yeah. or at least as easily as it is. So I would much. Ra- I mean, I'm already on Android, but if I was on iPhone, I'd rather switch that because I want to continue to play my games. That's my favorite. U- ultimately, a phone phones are amazing, but like it it would be pretty easy to switch to the other software. Where when you have something that's part of your everyday life. That's a bad example because a phone is a part of your everyday life, but I feel it's like it's what feels more critical to yeah. you. You know, it's funny. The more you say, like, I guess I could see it. Um, you know, I'm trying to imagine a world without Macs for me, and I have to switch to Premiere, which is actually not the end of the world. I just don't have my plugins, but I can. I've done Premiere. I edited there mm-hmm. for years. Uh, but getting rid of, uh, I feel like I use my two different phones more similarly than I would use the two different desktop operating systems. I think that's what it comes down to. I can yeah. use my iPhone and be fine, almost the same way I use my Android phone, almost. But uh, switching to Windows would require a lot more change. So I guess that's where my answer comes from. Yeah, and as much as I love Windows, using Mac at work, there are very obviously some much better features on Mac. I have to say, dealing with sound on Windows is like the most frustrating thing in the world. Mm-hmm. I do not know why they can't figure out just how to make like plugging in a microphone or plugging in headphones. I don't understand how they can make it so difficult. It's impressive. Um, <laughs> this might sound really weird to some people, but like when you click open your sound thing at, in Windows and you have 10 different options is just mind-blowing. Um, it's, just yeah, it's so dumb. Um, but yeah. Okay, so I'm Windows, Android, your Mac iPhone. Oh my God, this question. It's 2020. What tech are you the most disappointed in so far? <laughs> um, what tech did you have expectations for that were way beyond its current state? Whoa. Oh, man. Are we at the point where 2020, 2020 sucks so bad that all tech is just exciting and nothing is as disappointing Honestly, as just the world of 2020? Yeah, <laughs> that might be where I'm at right now. <laughs> it's like... You know, a little minor update comes out for the MacBook Pro with a new keyboard, and I'm like, this is it. It's my next laptop. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, I, I don't try, I try to keep my expectations pretty in check. I think expectations are the cause for disappointment most often. So, you know, as far as things that had really high hopes and expectations for, I think those are still all, like, on the horizon. Like Galaxy Fold 2, I'm really interested mm-hmm. in. Galaxy Note 20, Pixel 5, iPhone 12, all these these things that I'm really like hyped about are still in the works. So I was pretty disappointed about the new Escobar phone. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Were you? No. I don't know what I expected. Like I guess I shouldn't have been too shocked. No, I'm just it was kidding. just another wrapped phone. Um yeah, I I honestly can't think of anything specific I had high hopes for that didn't meet those hopes, but 2020 also feels like it's been going on for 10 years so i have no sense of what's really happening at this point i'll say uh huawei's app situation i was hoping would be better by now that's a good point i'm testing the p40 pro plus right now and it's like i'm so tired of like trying to get it to work like putting my sim card in that phone and i'm like all right here we go time to oh god time to load the apps and it's just not it's not fun. Um, That's a good answer. It's disappointing yeah. that we basically can't use the P40 like at all in the US. Yeah, because it's a great, dude, that phone is like a rock. It's made of ceramic now. It's got these incredible really? cameras. 
I think it's it's honestly probably the hardware champ. I mean, I just got it. I'm testing it now. But as far as like just straight up hardware on the outside, amazing phone. Uh, and it's quickly nuked by like the fact that I just, it just takes you so long. Like I could never recommend that phone mm-hmm. in the US. So maybe that's maybe that's the disappointing. I think phone. that's a good answer. That's it. I, I'm I'm always interested with Huawei and our smartphone bracket. It always seems to do so well. And and when you when you just feel them, their hardware is just like second to none lately. It's so it's such a yeah. shame that you basically can't use it in the U.S. So there you go. Um, here's one quickly. I think it's well. It's going. Uh, it's going to be towards me because it's about editing. It's just how long does it take to edit the podcast? Um, not too long. A couple hours, I'd say. Like it's definitely beneficial that we sync up all the audio beforehand, and it's super easy to do that. I'm not dealing with video. Pretty much all I'm cutting out is a lot of ums or dead space or me totally fumbling over words. So what you listen to still sounds i still sound like an idiot but i sound like less of an idiot because i get to to edit it in between um but we do have a funny story we had a guest on once who was recording on their either ipad or macbook and they were listening to the zoom call on their headphones their uh, airpods and managed to not connect them correctly so all of our call was playing out of the speakers which was then getting picked up from the microphone so that entire podcast i had to manually delete anytime marquez and i were talking from that voice uh that track so that podcast probably took eight or nine hours to edit because it was just a mess there was there was definitely a point in the beginning where i just put my head down and knew how long of a day I was going to have, um, especially because we usually record these on Wednesdays and they release Friday morning. So like I have Wednesday night and Thursday to edit. So when we found out all that happened Thursday morning, it was like, all right, it's crunch time. We're this in for a good one. one. <laughs> but, uh, but ultimately editing's usually two or three hours. Probably it's not too bad. It's, it's just weird having the full conversation and then having to listen to that same conversation a second time yeah. um, and making sure you, you catch everything, which hopefully everyone listening, hopefully I'm catching everything and there's not too many mistakes. I'll toss in just in case I haven't already said the videos on the channel probably average somewhere between, I I mean, it's, it varies a lot, but I want to say between five to 10 hours mm-hmm. of editing. Uh, the one I'm working on right now, I've been doing all day. So it's probably six plus hours going into tomorrow, but yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah, the video from what I've seen Marquez do and from what little editing I've done, not for the channel, is is much harder than this. It's very nice to have just audio. I guess the hardest thing to do is when it's an hour long of audio is realizing you drifted off as you were listening to it and then having to go back to the point you last oh. remember listening to. So that makes up for probably a solid 20 minutes during every edit session. Well, here's a here's a question we might might disagree on. Okay. Just because of, Okay, I'll just read it. <laughs> I know you guys aren't fans of touchscreens and laptops, but what's your opinions on touchscreens in cars versus buttons? Um, I mean, I, I have no... As long... I mean, as long as the important buttons are on the steering wheel, like the ones you need when you're driving, volume, I guess the only... Like uh, air, AC, climate control 
could be a little tougher, but like you've used it, you've gotten used to where everything is, right? Yeah, for context, the the Model S, I drive a car that has zero buttons except for the two on the steering wheel and the hazard button. Mm -hmm. And you can control everything through the screen. I mean, I've memorized the location of like the the temperature up down. Basically, the reason physical buttons are so great in a car is because you want to keep your eyes on the road and just be able to feel over where you've memorized is a certain like radio dial or volume or climate control. But because those buttons even though they've changed the UI and the design in Tesla's are in the same exact place. Yeah. Uh, they're almost as consistent as a physical button. So I'm totally cool with the touchscreen. Yeah. Uh, my context, I drive a, a 2013 Subaru, so it is not up to date in terms of touchscreens and stuff like that. But I'd say the main controls I use while I'm driving is volume up, down track, skip and answer, hang up the phone. Everything's on the steering wheel. There, I don't think there will ever be touchscreen buttons on a steering wheel. Um, I shouldn't even say that. There probably will be a concept car at CES next year where yeah. like, everyone's not going because CES next year is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, um, can we talk about that? Can we talk about that for a <laughs> might second? Might as well. CES, there is an article. I know nobody, maybe nobody asked about this, but no. there's an article about CES as of right now they're planning to hold it as usual. Like I know the Olympics got moved and like the entire NBA season got canceled. CES but, is like, more CES, important than the Olympics. Yeah, nobody will interrupt the CES schedule. Here's the thing. I know you have to because like, okay, you don't want to lose all this money for the city and for the committee and all these things you've planned and all the, all the things that go on every year to make CES happen are so many jobs. I get that, but th- this ain't it. This CES is is already potentially one of the major reasons of the beginning of the mm-hmm. COVID, COVID spread. Um, and we don't want it to be the reason that it spreads again. It spikes <laughs> it's like just, crazy. It's yeah, so there's, early. There's, it is so dumb to even comment about it at this point, but to say it's going on is just, I, I mean, we've, we've talked about CES. It's fun to go to, but we've always wondered, or wondered if there's a reason to not go. And I think um, COVID's a, a great reason to not go yeah um, this is good this will probably be the first year in in my eight years of not going to ces and i i think a couple other youtubers have already replied like i, I tweeted this like this yeah. isn't the year to have it and uh a couple of people on board like look if there's no vaccine and there's there's no like safety measures in place like there's no way to, to go to ces this year so maybe we'll just have like a little virtual we'll have a little zoom call instead yeah <laughs> they should um they should replace attendance with a controllable robot and a 360 camera on it that you can purchase and check out the, oh the show floor from the from CES. I just pictured CES full of remote robots, <laughs> just like remote presence robots reeling through all those halls, but like the same amount as people. So there's like thousands Got of them bumping into each other, and that would be chaos. Th- that's the and thing. then yours falls over. <laughs> the the thing about CES though is like. It's not just a lot of people packed in a room, which it is. It is sh- like being in front of the LG booth with those screens is you are shoulder to shoulder with people. If you're getting through the crowd, you are touching almost every person that you walk past. But then on top of that, imagine how big headphones are and VR is and mice and keyboards. Everything you are touching has been touched by 50,000 other people. And now you're putting that stuff on your face. You're putting it on your hands, which touch your face like. We used hand sanitizer every time we met someone or went to a booth, and 
there's like still people getting sick doing that from just yeah. the regular flu or the CES flu. It, it's the, the it's CES such a flu, terrible, for those unfamiliar. Yeah, it's like every year you go to CES, there's a very high chance you get sick in that petri dish. And I don't, I don't know. I think the bottom line is this is probably not actually going to happen in the way they say it will. But we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Well, we'll update you every podcast on whether or not CES <laughs> is still happening. CES so watch. far, it's on, but yeah, CES watch is on. Whoa. Okay. Here's a. This is a weird question. Okay, <laughs> a wizard appears. This is already amazing. great start. Oh, <laughs> a wizard appears and teleports you to an island. I'm glad that needed a wizard. Uh, the island is a completely normal society, except they all use products and devices from just one company. Which company is it? This feels like uh, a riddle that, or like there's a punchline to it that I'm supposed to know. Uh, yeah, let me, maybe I'll rephrase that as like, what company, what would be like the best case company and like the worst case like apple you think of apple like they if if everyone on this island is only using apple products and that means they all have phones they all have computers they all have iCloud oh so you're saying they like all... you're thinking of which company has the most range of products that could make society range... continue to to live its its normal yeah. existence yeah you know this island this particular island of apple will not have any transportation or any like cloud services or anything like that but they'll all have personal computers i mean well what about what about lg aren't they literally building their own smart city or something like that that's gotta be i think (laughs) lg the obvious answer is like lg or samsung yeah they've g they've got the widest amount of of products that could that could i kind of want to imagine an island where the society is based on the tech company. So if I, I imagine Apple, I'm imagine everyone wearing only white or black turtlenecks tucked in. Oh my god! With it's circular a perfectly glasses. circular island. Yeah, like everything is aesthetically pleasing. It reminds. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Equilibrium? No. Uh, it's like this this strange future, uh, all about how like it got taken over and everybody doesn't have feelings anymore. They basically take these shots that take away feelings. So everything is just like monochrome and, and perfectly oh in order all over the place. So like, I imagine that with, with hopefully, hopefully still feelings, but we don't know if an Apple society would take that away from you or not. But uh, the Google Island is like super colorful. <laughs> yes. There's slides and playgrounds. Everywhere, Everything's but, updated super quickly. And, uh, but only for like a year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. And I then, think I, yeah. If I if I'm going with somebody to to have a best case, Sony's Sony had a car at CES. Let's go. Let's go. Sony. No, because Samsung makes I'm, like washes and dryers. I'm picking LG over Samsung because I don't want Bixby to be the overlord of the island. At least oh, LG God. still lets you use Google Assistant. Oh, Google won't exist. But you can't but use it though. Yeah, you can't. Uh, use that's Google okay. I'll Assistant. take no. I'll take pure LG anarchy over Samsung Bixby Bixby overlord. <laughs> Uh, I'll take I'll take the Samsung Island. Okay. The worst version of this island would be like a, like the essential phone island, oh, where everyone's <laughs> phones is just bricks. I kind of want to answer this one. How did you come out of quarantine better or worse? I'm not out of it. <laughs> it's probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. I hope it's better. I'm gonna come out of quarantine 
Let's go with one thing that's better and one thing that's worse. Okay. When quarantine's over. Okay. Do you think you're better at cooking now that quarantine's been weeks and weeks? Oh, man. That just brings up a whole nother... This is going to already go deeper than it should have. (laughs) Cooking for a while, yes. I was doing some... I was cooking a ton. Um, Favorite recipe I've made so far, I made braised short ribs, which I've never done, and they came out incredible. But because of all that cooking... I realized I was eating terribly for like two months. So now I'm trying to not eat like that. And I actually haven't eaten meat in almost three weeks, which for me is like absolutely insane. When my mom listens to this, she's probably not going to believe that I just said that. Um, But I've been trying to find a lot of different recipes that don't involve meat. Um, Buffalo cauliflower wings are really good. Uh, I made huevos rancheros the other day for dinner, which is very hearty. It's hard to find hearty stuff, I feel like. I think it's making you better at cooking then. Yeah. I, okay, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, what about you? What are you getting better at during quarantine? Mm-hmm. I would say I am better at... Oh, God. I was going to say just like the the organization of like the compartmentalization of work. Okay. Where like this building is closed on weekends and I'm like physically unable to work on weekends. So like I, you know, typically I I just sort of merge everything together. I'm like either tweeting or working or something kind of all the time. And I think I've gotten better at separating those things. Yeah. During quarantine. I feel like people don't realize that there are t- there are times where like I'm in the middle of the weekend and I see a video post that I didn't even know was going to come out. And I'm like, Kez, come on, dude, <laughs> like just have a weekend <laughs> off. Like, did you want help with that or anything? You just like decided to go in and make a video. So like, yeah, yeah. you work a lot. I'm sure it's nice to just force you to have weekends. Although now these weekends are way less fun because we can't do as many things. But I think it's I think it's also made me better at 2K. I've played more yeah. 2K. I'm better at it can definitely confidently say that but i'm definitely worse at a lot of things now yeah <laughs> i'm worse i have uh my haircut is worse that's number one i'll just say it and then i am worse at ultimate because it, there's like no way to play with a team mm-hmm. uh and so yeah just just all that so since i don't really play ultimate as much anymore because i've been injured a thousand times i've been really into rock climbing lately though which all the gyms are closed um i tried outdoor climbing for the first time and then I've actually gone so crazy that I just built a climbing wall in the backyard. <laughs> so I don't have all the holds Dang. for it yet. So I haven't gotten to see how terrible I am at climbing um, now that I haven't done it for like three months. But there is a full blown like eight by eight foot climbing wall in my backyard. Claire's not the happiest about it because it's a total eyesore. <laughs> um, but I'm very excited to get some holds on there and to to climb a little. So that's nice. probably that's probably what I'm the worst at. I'm sure I'm terrible at it because I was never very good to start. Perfect. All right. I think that's probably a good place to end it. I'm trying to get better at outroing podcasts. <laughs> so thanks for listening <laughs> to this episode of Waveform. We'll be back in two weeks. We'll keep an eye on CES Watch, see if that actually happens. But, uh, you know, WWDC will happen between now and then, and there'll be plenty of stuff for you guys to tweet at us. So get us at WVFRM on Twitter, and uh, we'll be in touch. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Waveform is brought to you as Studio 71, and our intro-outro music is created by Cameron Barlow. <laughs>